So I'm going to turn the floor to Karen, but I just wanted to say, again, thank you, Karen, for, for doing this. This is great. A um, number of years ago, when TBS used to have a newsletter, we had um, a special issue on co-housing. Um, and I'll let Karen define what that means. But to me, we try to do events with other groups. Our events aren't necessarily focused just on vegetarianism. But I think co-housing and the kinds of things that people like Karen, people who live here do, uh, plays a really important role in terms of sustainability. And I've said more than I need to say at this point. So Karen has already introduced herself. She's a, a great person with a lot of information. So Karen, thank you. Thank you all. Um, this, um, I just want to say, okay. All right. If someone asks you a question, could you please repeat, repeat the question? Okay. Okay, so I'm not really used to doing this, so I hope y'all aren't expecting a really fancy show here, but I um, put together a first slide here to kind of um, draw together to start out with what I think in my mind brings, brings co-housing and vegetarianism together. Um, I mean, I've been a vegetarian for um, 20 years. Um, and I was drawn to co-housing for a lot of the same reasons that I was drawn to vegetarianism, basically to put my ethics into practice, um, to minimize my impact on water usage, um, on the environment, um, and to show my respect for other species, um, and basically to, to have less impact on the earth, a, a smaller ecological footprint. So I think that's something that co-housing and vegetarianism definitely have in common. That said, I'm the only vegan that lives here at Pacifica. <laughs> There's several other vegetarians, but a very small number, you would think there would be more. Um, however, at every common meal that we have, there's always a vegan option. Um, and there's a lot of respect for the lifestyle. Um, so anyway, that's kind of as an introductory note about that. And those of you who are interested in vegan communities or vegetarian communities, you know, keep that in mind because there are lots of opportunities for people to put together um, those kinds of communities. Um, some of the other things I just came up with this afternoon that I think bring the two together. Community gardens, we have a lot of community gardens here. Of course, that means a lot of fresh vegetables. Um, and that also, the gardening practice connects you with your food a lot more. Um, and in a peaceful way, um, Pacifica actually, the name, comes from pacifism. We came up with it because we feel like we're a very peaceful, compassionate group of people. So nonviolence is really important to us, and, um, and it is, as, as is to a lot of vegetarians. And this place nurtures our spirits and our health by being um, just a closer group of people living together in many ways um, that vegetarian does too because it gives you a stronger connection to animals, a lot more respect for them. And as I was browsing this afternoon, I found a, a communities directory called on vegnet.net that shows you a lot of intentional communities that are based around vegetarianism. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Okay, go forward, please. Okay. Um, this is one of my son's favorite symbols, so I had to put it up there somehow. I'm going to show this to him later. It, so I thought I'd start out talking about co-housing the movement by talking about intentional communities, because that's a broader term a more inclusive term that talk, that um, includes co-housing, but also includes eco-villages. 
Um, I don't know if anybody's ever been up to Ithaca. There's an eco village up there that's really um, famous. Um, it has a lot of, it's like two co-housing communities together and a lot of other ecological sustainable practices that they're demonstrating there. And um, it was, it's a more public, apparently they have some public aspects to it. I kind of think of it as Williamsburg, you know, Colonial Williamsburg or something where people can actually come in and visit, but um, I haven't been there yet. Residential land trusts, communes, people who, um, like me, who picked up the farm vegetarian cookbook in the um, 80s. <laughs> um, that, the farm is a commune, a vegetarian, vegan commune in Tennessee. Um, and they, of course, a commune is a, more of a, a place where they share an economy as much as um, living together, much more communal living, obviously. I think that's not a strange concept to a lot of people um, in theory, but maybe in practice. Um, student co-ops, urban co-housing cooperatives. I know there's a co-op here in, in, um, in Carborough. Um, they uh, renovated and um, bought a, a what used to be an apartment complex, and now it runs as a, um, a co-op. Um, that falls under this intentional community category. Um, so anything where people are striving to live together in a neighborhood with a common vision, but it could also be a buying club or it could be anything like that. It kind of anything with a real intent and a group of people. Um, this is an intentional communities directory online, ic.org, I believe. I forgot to put the, um, but there you can see if you want to go to that website. Um, you can you can browse for lots of different kinds of communities. And now under that we've got cohousing.org. Um, this is a communities directory of all the cohousing communities in the U.S. Um, there's about a hundred of them, and um, we have uh, a lot of we have a lot of conference. There's a conference every year. It was in it was in North Carolina recently. Um, and the next one, I believe, is in, it's going to be in Walton, Massachusetts this summer. Um, and it's also it's a great place if y'all are interested in co-housing. It's a great place to go and find out um, what communities are forming, um, and uh, and hook up with other people interested in co-housing. And of course, learn a lot about how to create your own, how to start your own. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more if people want information on that. Co-housing actually originated in Denmark in the 70s. I read somewhere online that an architect, a couple architects came together in the 60s over there and put this together. Um, and it's very popular in Denmark still. Um, came over to the United States in the 80s. Um, and what is it really? Um, it's got a participatory process, so everybody in the community is a member of the Homeowners Association. Everybody helps to make the decisions um, and there's a lot of different ways for people to get involved. Um, the neighborhood is designed with the residents in mind, so it's not a developer who comes in with their vision and puts together a community that he wants to sell to people. The people come together with the architect and the designer in the beginning, long before there's a, even any land, um, not necessarily a site for it, and come together and decide how they're going to do it together. Um, this community started meeting in 1999. I joined it in 2002, and we didn't actually 
um, get our first home until, uh, closed on the first home until summer 2006. There were a lot of delays. <laughs> um, so, but we were very much a part of monthly meetings ever since the beginning. Um, so common facilities like this, common house. Um, I have a, we have a guest house here too. Um, we have the community gardens. We have common parking for our bikes, I've noticed. We have those three of those bike parking areas here. Um, we have common laundry facilities as well, so we can share laundry uh, without each having to repeat you know, things throughout the community. So anything like that where you can minimize repetition amongst the <coughs> community property, you know, more community property, of course, you can have less waste, less cost. Um, resident management, meaning there's nobody else but us who manages this place. We're all, we have community labor every month that we do. Um, four hours a month is our policy right now, four hours per household. Um, and there's also homeowners dues, of course, as any neighborhood association would have. Um, but if you can't do your community labor, you pay $12 an hour for each hour you don't do. Um, uh, then non-hierarchical structure and decision-making, we, we make all of our decisions by consensus. We have these very intense <laughs> monthly meetings. Um, we do a lot of preparation for them. We try to do most of our decisions, we try to empower committees to do because we have so much to do. Um, and then those committees come back with proposals and then the larger committee discusses the proposal and we try to um, come to a decision on it. Oh, and I have, uh, I thought I'd just pass around, this is a good example. Um, I don't know if y'all use that as Altera or something along those lines, but that is um, a little guidelines that we use at all of our meetings about how to talk about our gradients of, uh, of agreement with each decision. Um, and we always, if there's some, somebody who's, you know, blocking consensus, then we'll try to get around the issue why this person feels this strongly about it and what the issues are behind their feelings for it and try to come to a compromise of some kind, compromise or a different proposal, go back to the committee, whatever's necessary. Just so we feel yeah. like everybody, yeah, can you just pass it around? No, I was just going to say, oh, yeah. so terrible, we have cards. We have cards. We say this, red means no. We go white means I'm thinking about it. Oh, so we have great idea. Parts. I just thought okay. we make it easier for you. Yeah, me. that's great. Um, so unlike a commune, the last point up there, are no shared community economy. So we each own our own homes independently. They're all either land trust homes that people have bought from the Orange Community Land Trust, or they're um, or they're market homes that we bought um, from from the um, CCDA, the Carborough. Community Development Association, which is where architect, the association that he um, put together to build Pacifica. And his name is Giles Blunden. I haven't mentioned him yet. He's a, quite a visionary. So the, the participatory process, like I explained, I should have <laughs> moved ahead, but there's some nice pictures from other communities of their common areas. Um, the um, stickers up there on the top left, um, we did something <coughs> like that here on this wall behind me recently when we were trying to um, come to come create a, um, a list of all the things, which you can imagine since we're still so new, that um, physically new, things that we need to do around here and how to pr prioritize that for our community work days and our community labor. Um, so we had just you know lots and lots of stickers and little voting system and everything like that for, for all the different things. Um, and 
it's great to break out into the smaller groups, as you can see there. Some some uh, work days going on there in the bottom right hand corner. Um, at Pacifica, we have four guiding principles: community, diversity, sustainability, and affordability. And the affordability is um, unique here in Carborough because we uh, we're um, we're preceded by Arcadia here in Carborough, which um, is is not as affordable. <laughs> it's a lot of custom homes, and they're there are larger homes that each person designed their own home. Here, the way we, we manage affordability, um, and we are really good, I mean, I was just floored by it, you know, to get the such a good price per square foot for living so close to downtown Carborough, um, is by having a repeating patterns of homes. I'm, not, I'm not, probably not saying this well, but we have different floor plans that repeat themselves. We have 600 square foot, 900 square foot, 1100, 1300, 1460, and they repeat themselves. So the design cost was lower for that, obviously. We came together in the early days. Those of us who wanted 1100 square feet, for example, met with all the other 1100 square feet people, and we said, you know, how do we want it laid out? Giles, the architect, had a certain design that we liked from the start, and we had modified it a little bit to meet all of our needs. So that kind of thing really cut down a lot on cost. Um, I can't remember. I think it's like 130. Is that Sesson right? But I'm not really good with the numbers. But, but for yeah, for this yeah, this is a very expensive place to live. So that's a really great price for new home building. And I'll say a lot about the sustainability, the diversity. We have a lot of different ages of people who live in here. Um, and a lot of different economic backgrounds as well, lots of differences in, um, and we're able to maintain that, I mean, attract that because of our affordability aspects. So those two are kind of in hand in hand financially. And of course, community is a lot of what we're about. So these are just some of the projects I came up with when I was sitting there. And a great picture I took of my neighbors the other day. That's my son in the red shirt. <laughs> He's not here this evening, unfortunately. Um, he's getting ready to shoot a paper airplane at somebody. Um, it's pretty typical. So common meals, we try to have common meals at least three times a month, if not uh, sooner. Um, that's still a work in progress. We've got a com common meals committee that has worked really hard on that and still trying to work hard on that. Um, it's surprising how hard it is to find people to help <laughs> with so many people here, um, especially with cleanup. <laughs> um, Community labor, like I was saying, four hours per month per household. Community gardening. We have landscape committee that's just so energetic. It's amazing the different kinds of things they've been doing. I don't know if you all have seen Arcadia, which is North Carborough. It's just it's just gorgeous, and we're just like can't wait till we get there. We've you know we're still just like a mulch desert out here um, in lots of ways, and so we're really looking forward to the lushness that comes um, with a few years of growing. We're doing composting with each of our gardens. We have compost centers around the site so people can put their food waste. And a lot of us went in together to buy rain barrels for our homes that uh, collects water from the gutters. Um, of course, we have the common house. We have the guest house. Um, a community work day every month that's outstanding. Um, it's just great to see all the people coming together that day and, and working hard. Um, of course, I mentioned the two-hour, uh, three-hour meetings once a month. We probably need more um, community meetings. And the solar tour in October started here. I don't know if any of y'all checked it out. They have an Orange County solar tour every year, and they go around and, and visit all the sites around Orange County that have solar panels. 
and talk about solar energy and all the great things you can do with it. Um, we have the largest solar array now in Orange County, and it's on our guest house. And we actually um, get money back from Duke Energy <laughs> to power our guest house. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. So we're generating electricity here, which is um, something really proud of. And um, a lot of the individual homes have little solar panels. We don't have enough roof real estate on our little homes, so we can't have full solar energy powered homes. But we do have solar energy powered hot water, and a lot of us do. Not everybody bought that option, but um, I can show it to anybody <coughs> if you want to stick around. I've got one at my house. And. So that was when it was under construction, where you are now. The common facilities is a very common characteristic of co-housing. Here's the Solterra common house. We have several Solterans here, which is a beautiful community in, in Durham. If y'all don't know about it, you should visit. It's really gorgeous. Um, and there's some pictures of some large dining areas and kitchen. That's very common with co-housing. Uh, of course, we have to have a big community kitchen in order to accommodate the meals that we aspire to be making together and a large place to eat. Um, playrooms are common as well, and we've got one here. If any of y'all missed it, it's over there um, to the right um, of the presentation here. And um, we also have common laundry room where we have very energy efficient stuff. This isn't a picture of ours. <laughs> it's another community. Um, talked about that already because this is just this is a picture of another group um, somewhere in the United States. I just love this picture, um, which is uh, a lot of what we aspire to, um, especially single moms like me. We like having all the diverse ages of people around. You know, it's like one big family that we don't have. All my family um, biologically is, is in other states, so it's nice to have this kind of adopted family here right out my door. Um, these are really some nice points that the Canadian Co-Housing Network had on their website, so I thought I'd reproduce them here about um, the sustainability aspect, and um, that's just really huge to me. Um, the social interaction um, is really great around here. We get ideas about how to do things better and more ecologically You know, every time we get together. We're always brainstorming different ways to recycle differently. Is this set up the right way? We had a wisteria removal. Uh, action recently, and we and I was just so amazed at the brain power that came together to figure out how to do it without poisoning surrounding plants or the ground because you know um, what is it Roundup is the popular thing to use. Well, one of us found out about how to how to cut it and apply it very quickly only to the to the stem of that particular plant and not touch anything around. So we didn't do any spraying. We were really worried about spraying. You know how that. Could get in the air and the water and everything else. So it's amazing how much attention to detail came together because of our commitment to the environment. Um, efficient use of land, here we are on eight acres and we have 46 homes. Um, this is only eight acres. <laughs> um, and um, we, of course, living so close to town, we're, we're um, blessed to be able to walk um, to town or ride bikes. That's why we have a lot of bikes here. Um, so we have a lot of alternatives. We also, from the beginning, and we complained about this, but we decided we were only going to allow one parking place per household. Some people have more than one home because they have two adults that have to drive different places for work. So we've managed to fit those cars in, but we still really encourage any alternative to having and owning a car. 
around here. And we keep talking about more ways to do that. Like if we're going to buy a community car, um, if we're going to employ the services of Zipcar or some other organization or do something like that. Um, so organic gardening, of course, um, we're striving for that here and um, lots of gardeners here that are just amazing. Um, and I'm not one of them, so <laughs> I have a lot to learn and that was also part of my motivation, like, teach me. Um, we have a lot of people encouraging the natural biodiversity from the forest. We have lots of bird watchers and people. We had a really intense discussion in the early days about cats outdoors because we were so concerned about the native wildlife around us, the birds especially, um, <laughs> being preyed upon. And so that's really interesting how that came about. We do have outdoor cats, but um, <laughs> uh, it was a uh, really interesting to see people's commitment in that in that area um, and of course we preserved the woods around us as best we could it was heartbreaking when we were building this place because we had to chop down so many trees it was devastating to me it was just like oh my gosh but then I had to think about all of the homes those big developments that you see that that do that and don't have as little footprint in general, you know, that we do, and um, think, well, it's going to happen. At least it's happening this way, and this is the way it's going to happen. We're going to try to give back as much as we can. Um, the water management system is really interesting here. We've got bioretention areas. We have a pond, and we have three bioretention areas um, that that collect the ground, the rainwater into a groundwater system. We don't have a lot of wastewater like running through the streets, you know, into the, the town gutters. It's all going back into the earth or getting reused in some way. Um, so that's really great. And of course, we also have a cistern that you saw maybe out that window when it was still light. There's an enormous cistern right outside this door, uh, with those windows, I mean, that's taking up a lot of our playground. <laughs> um, and it, it collects water from the roof, from the gutters. Uh, we also have another one that we pump water from our stormwater system to a cistern up collected uh, that collects water up there for the gardens. Um, and of course, you know, the alternative energy stuff I was talking about before. Um, and the, some of the materials that we've used in our homes as well. Bamboo flooring. Bamboo is the only hardwood floor approved for, um, for the homes, for those who chose hardwoods. Um, because it's a sustainable uh, product, quick growing grass, basically. So this was the co-housing conference that um, that was here in 2006, and um, it was really great to see all the people that came from all of the uh, United States to the co-housing conference. So keep your eyes out for more co-housing conferences. These are just some pictures of other co-housing communities. Um, I'm trying to remember where this one is. I don't know if it says on there, but some of the principles, you can't read it very well. I'm afraid my, my focus isn't very good. Oh, yeah, this one's in Denver. Um, so as you can see, it has a similar kind of clustered um, relationship to the environment. Um, gosh, this is really not very focused. I'm sorry about that. Um, but these pictures, you can see there's a lot of similar ideas, encouraging um, a lot of um, energy-efficient homes that are close to each other and close to places where they can walk. Um, respecting the earth, very important. Um, um, you know, trying to maintain the natural state as much as possible around. Um, we had a, 
you know, as part of our affordability aspect, we had a lot of challenges with trying to preserve um, because construction projects get so expensive. The more you have to intervene and say, no, don't do that. Don't cut down that tree and stuff like that. And it was, it's, been, it's been very challenging to, to match our ideals for environmental protection and conservation with the affordability aspect, unfortunately.